All right. So shalom and welcome everybody to this very special teaching right here um, on, you know, we're going to put this on, first of all, this, our social media platforms as well as Vimeo, YouTube, and several other places, pro probably as well up on the website. Um, you can tell the radio microphone's not right here, so basically this is not a radio episode. This is just going to be a video teaching here today. And uh, one of the things that I am constantly seeing within um, the Messianic faith, the Hebrew roots, and all the faiths that are associated with mine, which is the Lapid Jewish faith, is this talking point. You know, we've really turned into a talking point society in many ways, to where it is that we don't even question the things that we're saying. We just say that, you know, hey, that sounds good. You know, that, uh, you know, there's some sort of kind of emotion behind this, and that sounds good. And here's one of the things that I constantly end up hearing. Okay, and I guarantee you guys have heard it as well. And you guys might be a little bit shocked in the way that it is that I go about seeing this. The thing I constantly end up hearing is that Scripture interprets Scripture. And so many of you, I guarantee you, are a part of this mindset and you say, yeah, that's correct. Now, the thing I'm going to ask in terms of this is that first of all, within Christianity, you have 35,000 different denominations all basically take that same route. Scripture interprets Scripture. You have deviations within the forms of Kairite movements that are within the Hebrew Roots movement and as well as the Messianic faith that also use this talking point. Now, I was asked this great question by a, uh, by a friend, um, John Fox. John ended up going and quoting the words of Yeshua and um, in, uh, uh, in uh, 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 what is it, uh, Basori Yochanan. And he ended up saying, you know, that, uh, you know, it says right here that Yeshua says the scriptures testify to him. And I said, you know what, the words of Yeshua are indeed correct. But here's the thing that I would ask you to do is that first of all, where are you going to find me a verse? Within the Bible, anywhere, you know, within the Torah, because it says the, the, the Torah, the Ketuvim, the Nevi'im, within the Old Testament, find me one verse that says that a Messiah will come and save his people. Even, you know, just, you know, give me one verse saying that a Messiah will come. It's not there. It's not there. So how, so either Yeshua was lying and that he doesn't know the scripture, or we're not interpreting this correctly. Here's the thing that we have to realize, and I'm going to uh, go and read this first from the Hebrew, okay? And I'm going to be reading this from um, the book of Bereshit, or Genesis chapter 26, verse 5. And it says, Echev asher shema Avraham bikoli vayishmor mishmarti mitzvotai hachukatai vitoratai. Now, the thing that we have to, now in terms of the English, let me go ahead and quote the English here. The English says, um, all this because Abraham listened to my voice when I tested him. He guarded my, second, my secondary prohibitions that protect a person from transgressing biblical prohibitions. My rational commandments, my super rational com, uh, commands, and my instructions in the oral Torah. Okay? Now, this is basically the English part over here is a translation from that of what is known as the Targumim. 
In the Targumim, you have a little bit, it's kind of like, it kind of works like the Amplified Bible. Any of you guys that are familiar with the Amplified Bible, it works in that way. Okay, so the word oral Torah, Torah is not actually found right over there, but it does say vitoratai. Now, many people will go and say, well, that's talking about commandments. Well, if this were the case, then why is it then if it is talking about commandments as opposed to an entire body of commandments, then why does it say mishmartai and mitzvotai? Why does it say that? Because those right there are dealing with commandments secondary and primary commandments that deal with Hukim law, which is also mission in, in, in uh, Hahukatai, right before Vitoratai uh, uh, over here in the text. And so the thing about it though is that we see that this is the first time that we see that word Torot, and consider it says Toratai, it means my Torahs, plural. Um, this is the first time that we end up seeing this in the Bible. So this defines what this term means because it's the first time that it's found within the Bible and then we find it everywhere. We find it throughout the book of Shemot, we find it within the book of Baika, we find it within the book of Amidbar, we find it within the book of Davarim, we, fi we find it everywhere. This is why Hebrew is important, okay? This is why it's important to, 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 to know Hebrew. So it actually kind of goes and defines it in many ways saying that it's not mitzvos, that it's not uh, um, um, you know, uh, a hukim law. It's, it's, it's not these things. What it actually is, it, is it, you know, kind of guards us by showing us that there are differences in these things. Then it says toratai or torot right over here in the very last word here. So we see that there are many bodies of Torah. Now within Judaism, we are taught that a complete entity is made up of three parts. Okay, we've talked about that many, many different times. Those of you guys who are watching this have heard me go through that spiel many times. So I'm not going to get into that. But the thing about it, though, is that what are the three? Oh, well, we got the written, we got the oral, and we got the living. The living is the Messiah, Yeshua. And so the thing about it, though, is that we have to, if we are going to interpret Scripture from Scripture, we also have to interpret it at the same time through, first of all, the worldview of the individuals who had written these things. Because we see that people like Ezekiel and people like Jeremiah are at each other's throats. They don't agree. But they are, you know, um, basically both testifying to that of the Torah of, of Hashem. And they are also presenting a different worldview and a different hashkafa to the people, which are both accurate, which are both correct. It's not a Jeremiah versus Ezekiel kind of thing. Both of them are correct. And see, the, um, the, uh, the Nevi'im, the prophets, are trying to show us this, that there are different worldviews in terms of these things. This is something as well that Rav Shavuot, the Apostle Paul, made note of when he was talking about you know, first of all, yeah, you can go ahead and circumcise you, not so much and all this stuff. We try and really put the Bible into this linear idea. And the issue that we end up having that really muddies the water with that is not only not understanding bilateral ecclesiology, but most notably, you know, uh, all, the, all the deviations that you see within that of the Hebrew roots movement and the messianic faith and all this other stuff. People don't agree, but the thing about it, though, is that every single one of them will sit there and say, well, in the first century, this is the way that it was interpreted. What is your source text? What is your proof that this is the way that it was interpreted back then? You guys know that I use, you know, something that is 
was around during the time of the first century. You know, I, I studied Talmud extensively, studied Mishnah extensively, studied Tosefta and all these things. Um, the, the, words, the words of the sages. But the thing about those is some people would say, why in the world do you need to do that? Well, let's say that the oral Torah wasn't the words of the sages. Let's go and make that case. Well, then you're going to have a problem as well. Because in uh, Exodus uh, 24, verse 7, it says that Israel's undertaking was that they would do and hear the law when it was communicated, which was the oral law. We also see the plural form for the, for the word law or Torah several times in the scripture. And we also see, you know, one of the places is uh, Leviticus chapter 26, verse uh, 46. It says, these are the statutes and judgments and the Torahs which the Lord had made between him and the children of Israel at Mount Sinai at the hand of Moses. Okay, it doesn't say Torah, it says Torot right there. Then we also have the Lord's instruction of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 19. He says to put, to put the Torah in their mouths. And they, he's telling them to do it in order to convey the tradition. Within Deuteronomy chapter 17, we have a whole chapter here. And actually, technically three chapters that take up the entire Torah portion of team and Mishpatim that go and tell us that first of all, when the Sanhedrin and the Shoftim go and give a ruling in terms of halakha or civil law or any of these things, that we are to do as, the, as it is that they say. And if, in fact, God was so adamant about this, he says you do it or the penalty of death. So let's say that you are a person starting out, okay? The thing that we have to understand is that people who are first starting out in their walk think they have it all figured out. We've all been there, okay? We've all been that person. Let's be honest with ourselves. But the thing about it, though, is at the same time is that you can think of how many different, how many different versions of the four-letter name of God do you end up finding within these sects, you know? How many other just way out there goofy things, such as Noah had a first wife named Lilith because they don't know how to properly interpret where that story comes from. It's actually Agadah Midrashim. It's not an actual thing. And so the thing about those is they don't understand just the basic worldview of the Jewish people in the first century, pre-first century. Instead, what we end up doing is we go and we look at translation. We look at translation that is within English, and in English, we refer to those translations as Chomish. You know, many people will say, well, Chomish is the first five books of the Bible. You know, I have one that's a stone edition, Chomish, you know, right over here. I got the Gutnik Chomish right here in front of me, as a matter of fact. And that's what it is. It's for the Torah portions and all that stuff, which is technically true. But it's also used as a term for English translations as well, because it means one-fifth. Because within that of the English, you can only get one-fifth of the entire meaning of what is actually being said. Now, let's say that it is that I were to take the Kairite um, Hebrew roots idea as to what this means um, in terms of scripture interpreting scripture first of all you're not going to find any passages as i mentioned before saying that a messiah will come okay and save his people you're not going to find that anywhere in the tanakh you're not, not going to find that in the old testament anywhere not there one of the things that you will probably do is bring up to me isaiah 53 or um, isaiah chapter 7. now the thing i would end up saying is then 
what if I were to give a goofy thing like it, like Tovia Singer says, you know, oh, that's talking about Israel and all that stuff, you know, that's, you know, with the marbles in my mouth and all that stuff, you know, what if I were to go and do that? You would say, well, no, you know, that, that, that's not what it's, what, it's, what it's talking about. And you'd be right. But the question is, where did you get that interpretation that Isaiah 53 is talking about the Messiah? You got that interpretation from the Oral Torah. The thing that people don't want to realize is that a vast majority of Christianity and even the concept of Mashiach, you do not have the concept of Mashiach within that of the written Torah. You don't have it there. It's within the oral Torah. And the thing about it, the thing that is just, that, that just kind of smacks me in the face is that, you know, every couple of chapters in the oral Torah is talking about the Messiah. Every single time it goes and points to Yeshua of Nazareth, each and every single time, either as Mashiach ben Yosef or Mashiach ben David. Each and every single time it goes and, you know, goes in and, and, and shows that. So, so let's say that it is that Yeshua, let's go back to the thing that my buddy John ended up saying. John said, he said, he said that uh, within the book of John, it says right there that the scriptures testify to the coming of Yeshua. He's right. Yeshua is right. My buddy John is right, as well as the book of John, as a matter of fact. They are both right. All three are right, actually. And the, but the thing is, that it is through the worldview of the first century and worldview of first century Judaism. And through that, it has to include Tadashi Biyape, the Oral Torah. It has to include these things because we find many times within that of the Gospels, of the Besorot, and we also find it in the Egeret by that of um, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, we find in there that they constantly have issues with the Sadducees. Why are they having issues with the Sadducees? Because of the fact they didn't even believe in a Messiah. They didn't believe in resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in an afterlife and Olam Haba or any of these things because of the fact that these were the people who said that basically without tradition, without the oral Torah, Scripture interprets Scripture. These were people that were actually poking people's eyes out for God's sake. You know, this is what was going on within those groups. And so the thing about it, though, is that we do ourselves a horrible injustice when we are in the 21st century and we take the view of Scripture can interpret Scripture, thus giving us an idea that we can make up whatever it is that we want to based upon a couple of verses and not based upon Semitic language and not based upon Halakha. Let me give you another example here. I did an entire hour-long teaching on, on this very thing. The, within Isaiah chapter 7, okay, the word that is used in there that is often translated as version is actually Ha'alma. Which doesn't mean virgin, it means young woman. And so the thing about it, though, is that if I were an individual who said, Scripture interprets Scripture, then I would sit there and say, that's not talking about the Messiah. But, if I were then to go and notice that in Isaiah chapter 9, in the word Le Marbe, we have a mem sofit, in a place where an open mem should be, because the sofit comes at the end of a word, not at the beginning of a word, then... I would sit there and have to ask the question, well, who is it that I ask? I ask the sages. I go to look at what it is that Hazel says. And they then interpreted that to be about Betula, a virgin, as opposed to Ha'alma, a young woman, because of the fact in the Targumim we have the word Betola. And within the Greek we have the word um, 
We have the word for virgin within the Greek Septuagint as well. And then we have the words of the sages saying, because of the fact that it's a closed mem, where there should be an open mem, it signifies a closed womb, thus one who's, you know, that the walls have not been broken and all that stuff, and she was a virgin and spilled out and all those things. That the Messiah was born of a virgin. And so the thing about it, though, is that individuals such as Tovia Singer, anti-missionaries, such as Mizrahi and Skoback and all these guys, are giving you half-truths based upon the idea and the thought process that Scripture interprets Scripture through a 21st century view. But we have to be good scholars because each and every single person will say, this is the first century view. We find this all throughout YouTube and YouTube theology and all this stuff. We find this everywhere. We say instead, show me the first century source. Show me in halakha. And the thing about it though is when we get to that point where it is that we ask for those citations, then it is that we can be confident in the fact that something is interpreted in a first century manner as opposed to a make-it-up-as-you-go-along theology that has birthed 35,000 different denominations within Christianity and has caused many different splinter groups within the Messianic faith and the Hebrew roots here today at a record number rate. Okay, so the thing about it though is we got to think about these little talking points that it is that we are constantly espousing and say, is this accurate? We need to explain this better. We are in a talking point society. You hear people all the time, Am Israel Chai. Okay? What does that mean? What does that mean? You're going to get 50 different, 50 different ideas. And you're going to get a couple, I don't know, just something that we're supposed to say. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I saw, I saw it being said 50 different times on a teaching by this individual. So, I, you know, this is a problem. The scripture tells us to study to show ourselves approved. And this means we have to not just sit over there and just gloss over the scripture, say it, okay, well, you know, it says right here, Yitzhak sowed crops and, you know, maybe, okay, you know, big deal. You know, and we just kind of go, go by it. We have to study. We have to actually study through good scholarship. Good scholarship as opposed to, that sounds good. You know, otherwise, we're just kind of walking around with Make America Great Again hats. <laughs> you know, which, you know, I, again, I support the president, but however, at the same time, it's like, well, what exactly does that mean? What do you mean by that? You know, explain this to me. You know, and so the thing about it, though, is that when we are so far removed from the first century, when we are in the 21st century, the Bible, especially the New Testament, was written in the first century. The Tanakh, however, way before that. But however, the thing is, that we have to, first of all, realize that we are so far separated, not only by 2,000 years plus, but also at the same time, we're also separated by culture as well. I mean, the culture within that of Israel during the first century is a lot different than the 21st century culture in the United States. And so these are things that we have to be mindful of. These are things that we have to understand. And uh, I want to get you guys' questions, as a matter of fact. Uh, it, it's, you know, agree, disagree. And if you disagree, challenge me on these things. We've got to test all things. One of the things that I constantly end up saying is that, first of all, hang out with those you don't necessarily agree with because they are going to be the ones who test you. They are going to be the ones that challenge you. And so the thing about it though is I'm not going to be one of those guys that sits here and says, 
anybody who disagrees with me is an idiot and all that stuff. I have never lived my life in that way, and I will not start now. You know, so, you know, again, you know, I want to hear what it is that you guys think, what it is that uh, I want to hear some disagreements, as a matter of fact, if uh, you guys tend to disagree or if you have a passage that you have questions about dealing with this particular thing, then let me know. And while I'm waiting for some questions to come in, one of the things that I will say, however, is you heard me mention learning Hebrew is important. Learning the Semitic languages such as Hebrew and Aramaic are vastly important. Learning oral Torah is very important. Now, I would encourage many of you who want to move forward in your walk to go and check out HebrewAndAramaic.com. That's the Hebrew and Aramaic Learning Institute. I'm one of three teachers over there. And we actually just brought on a fourth, as a matter of fact. Um, and the thing is that over there we go step by step in helping you learn the Semitic languages. And I'm one of the teachers that also teaches some halakha from the Oraltar and all these things with proper citation in terms of the letters, in terms of the Nakud, in terms of, you know, uh, Midrashim and all these things that deal with the Hebrew language. And it's only $15 a month or $40 every three months. So I would encourage you guys to go and sign up over there so that it is that you can, you know, run across, you know, things like it is that we brought out here within Matthew 26, verse 5, where it says, Torah Tai! Your translation, as a matter of fact, if I pulled out right now, a very popular translation by that, uh, that is within the Hebrew Roots movement right now. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pull out a couple of translations. And we're going to see how it is that some of these others go and translate Torah Tai. Now, the thing about those, first thing I want to say is that I have great respect for, um, for these other translations I'm pulling out. I'm not trying to diminish them in any sort of way. But I want, I, I want to show you that even in some of the best English translations, you're not going to get this. Uh, let's see here. It says over here in the Complete Jewish Study Bible, All this is because Abraham heeded what I said and what I had told him to do. He followed my mitzvot, my regulations, and my teachings. That's the way that that brought it up. But, uh, not really the best translation for the word Torah tied. Let's take a look at the Life Application uh, Bible, the New Living Translation. Let's go and take a look at this one. Let's see what it says there. Your English is only going to take you so far. Uh, let's see here. And again, go ahead and get those questions in as I'm uh, going and going through this. Uh, so there's 26. Oh, there we go. Starts at 26 right over here. And okay, and it says over here, and I will do because Abraham listened to me. Uh, Abraham listened to me and obeyed my requirements, commandments, regulation, and my laws. Again. Not a very good translation in terms of that verse there. Let's see what else we got here. Oh, well, here's another Jewish one. This is the stone edition Tanakh. Let's go and see what the stones ends up saying in terms of this. And this is one of my favorite ones, too. And it says within the stone edition, it says, Because Abraham obeyed my voice, observed my safeguards, my commandments, my decrees. Oh, it actually gets it. My Torahs. It actually has it in there. So these are things that we have to understand. These are things that it is that whenever we are saying that we are going to have Scripture interpret Scripture, we have to understand that it's not just, you know, I could take this verse, splice it together with this verse, and the, and the ideas are put together. I see this done with gematria all the time. And the thing with gematria is that gematria is a, is a biblical hermeneutic. It is something that is used often. But... 
The issue is that many people try and take concepts that are so far from each other and try and put them together and, you know, use gematria in doing so. You know, they'll take, try and take this concept and then that concept and it's like, oh yeah, these are somehow tied together. But the concepts are so far off that it, that's not the way it works. When you're dealing with gematria, one of the things that you have to do is take, for instance, you know, Yeshua said, just like uh, um, Moses lifted up the, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, we can use gematria in terms of that because we have the, first of all, Yeshua giving us the parallel, and then we have the word for nakash, which has the same gematria value for the word Mashiach, you know, and so that, that's one of the instances where it works. But to go and say, well, you know, the word for grape has a gematria value of this, and the word for sky has a gematria value of this. We could put those, it, there's something going on here between the grapes and the sky. Th that's not the way that it works. And so many people get so crazy with gematria that they don't understand that, that that's just a, not a kosher way of going about it. Um, well, I guess so. Shalom. So you want to learn Hebrew or Aramaic, or maybe both? Make sure to check out HebrewAndAramaic.com. All three of the instructors on the website have accredited Moray licenses to teach the languages that they teach on the website. You can take the lessons on your very own time, and they even have a Roku channel so you can learn from the comfort of your very own couch. With over 200 videos going step-by-step -step through the languages and all the various scripts and over 100 PDFs of exercises and quizzes, this is the most thorough set of lessons that you'll find anywhere on the languages of the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah. So visit HebrewAndAramaic.com today and sign up for only $15 a month.